Kick off the show here. <laughs> We're agreeing. All righty, Bills Mafia. Welcome to another edition of the Mafia Cast. We are here live once again with my co-host, Mike and Casey. How are you guys doing today? Not bad, not bad. How are you? You're <laughs> muted. <laughs> oh, there's Sorry, no. everyone. Mike had me muted. <laughs> I told him to nope. mute it. Don't blame listened. me. Blame the tech guy. And he listened. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for that. I'll take that one. It's okay. not bad. Right. Busy day, man. Busy day getting here. Glad to be here once again. Uh, you got you got better closer this time than you the last time. Last time it was literally the last minute. Yeah, yeah. We we've got some stuff to talk about today. We went in last week. We kind of talked about uh, some of the all time greats in Bills history, and so we're going to kind of continue with that today. However, before we do so, let's talk about Demar Hamlin. Awesome, awesome news we got. Just yeah. makes you like really happy, you know, just gen- genuinely happy for the guy that, I mean, he's recovering so well that he's able to play professional football again, you know, not just necessarily live a normal life and everyday life that like he can go out and play this physical sport, really the most physical sport in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was sitting here kind of listening to the news and that, and that came up and I watched the press conference and I mean, it's just, it's an emotional thing. The whole, whole situation um, and just the can't think of the word I'm looking for, right? The inspiration across the country, across the world that he's provided, and some of the things that he's already done to this point. So, to hear that you know he is finally officially fully cleared and can resume his NFL career, I'm, I'm hoping the best for him, but I'm not gonna lie, I am concerned whether or not, like. I think everyone's a little nervous. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, like you hear all the time, like with Tredavious White, I mean, he had an ACL, and there was a lot of talk about the mental hurdles of getting back out on the field after something like that. I can't imagine what Hamlin's going to feel the first time he walks out on that field, the first time he goes in and has to make a tackle. Like, I I can't even imagine. What I couldn't imagine being be like. in that position, right? Yeah. I was talking to my friend who's related to the Bills organization. He was just – he's just – he kept saying, like, subconsciously, he's going to be a step slower. There's no way that you're not going to be. You know, he can think he's going as full board as he was before or even harder, but his body, like, just naturally might just let up a little bit. And not to say it's going to, but it's a high, like very like high possibility. Like, it's just it's a it's, self-defense mechanism. It's got to be always in the yeah. back of your mind, right? You yeah, think, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think after a little bit, after you know, getting a few hits in and everything, I think he he can, I think he can clear that hurdle personally. But it kind of got me also thinking. We've seen a lot of mock drafts. Draft is next week. We've seen a lot of mock drafts with safety included in there. And well, that was interesting. We just lost Casey for a second. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm you're sorry. good. I we got gotcha. you. 
your, your screen was refreshing. Um, <laughs> but um, do you guys think that with the current safety room the way it is and Hamlin coming back, are we, are we good? Do we need to address safety in this draft? I think that the plan was like, all right, we could probably take somebody, you know, at like pick 130, 137, somewhere around there later in the draft that we could groom into being another replacement because there was there nobody was sure about Demar Hamlin. But now that I think now that he's back and us signing Taylor Rapp, we might be looking at like the two replacements for Micah and Jordan Boyer in a couple of years. You know, I mean, I I don't really see a world anymore since Poyer's return that Micah and Poyer ever don't play together. You know, I think they're going to ride off in the sunset at the same time, and especially if they win a ring. Poyer's already pretty much proclaimed that, that if he that happens, he's gone that year. I think and, he'd want another one. So maybe maybe we're seeing, the, we're seeing the grooming of Hamlin and Taylor Rat to become those two players. I mean, we saw Hamlin, how well he was playing. He earned the starting job when Poyer was out. And he played in the box really well. I mean, he made a bunch of key plays throughout the season, and I'm excited to see what he what he can do. I've been a, I've loved Amar since we drafted him out of pit in the seventh round. I don't know why there was just something about the guy. Just when they took him, I was pumped about it. So now we'll see. We'll see. I think this is going to be a really telling season for his yeah, future. Yeah. I agree, Chase. Yeah, it's like a it, the the need definitely isn't as much as it was going into this off season right now. We're doing a lot a lot better as far as that. As far as that. Goes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like I think if you had asked that question back in February, everybody would be like, "Well, you got to get a safety early, like second, third round, maybe even first, because Brian yeah. Brandt was a popular one that's been mocked at Buffalo a few times at twenty seven. I've even seen some where they have uh, Buffalo drafting up to take him. Uh, there's a couple of comments here. Um, Thank you, Spence. We appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm good. sure we'll That's disagree good. on something here today. We're going to be talking about the all-time greats, and I'm really curious to hear what some of the people in the in the uh, room have to say when we get to the, the wide receivers and tight ends. Um, also, as far as the safety, I can see a possibility of a day three safety, but kind of doubt it myself. Day three, I agree, and only because uh, Hyde is 32, Poyer 31, and this is Hyde's last year as far as his contract goes. If Poirier comes back for that year too, Hyde probably signs one more year deal, a one-year deal, and they, you know, like you said, right off in the sunset together. I have a feeling this is going to be the last season for both of them, though. So while I am excited about Hamlin returning, I do feel like that the team needs to have an insurance policy or backup plan, if you will, and, and bringing in another safety if there's one to get in the fifth, sixth, seventh round later in the draft. And there's one that they like. I say, you know, go for it. Um, or maybe a versatile player that could play uh, more than one position, possibly. Oh, who 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 do you have off the top of your head there, Mike? I don't know. We'll get into that later. I think. <laughs> well, I know I've talked about one of my guys. One of well, not really one of my guys, but one of the people I would love Buffalo to draft, and that's only because I watched him play here at Boise State, and that's J.L. Skinner. He reminds me a lot of Hamlin, actually, and in. The build, they're not necessarily big, stocky guys, but they are super aggressive. They go in, and they're trying to knock somebody out. And um, that's what I always liked about Skinner. He had a nose for the football. And he is somebody that I think could potentially fall to the later rounds. Plus, he did have, I believe, an ACL injury um, during pro day or somewhere recently. I can't remember exactly when that had occurred. 
so there's some concerns there, obviously. But if he falls the sixth, seventh round, then well, we don't really have a seventh round, but so I guess it'd have to be the sixth, right? Um, <laughs> when we eventually trade back, we'll get one. Don't worry. <laughs> I yeah. mean, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, we've seen the the reports that Buffalo wants to move up. We've seen them wanting to move back. Uh, Brandon Bean did say that if he was going to Vegas, the more odds are they're moving back um, and not forward. Uh, but his own worst, too. He can get kind of antsy sometimes. <laughs> It'll be nice to get uh, a couple quality picks. You know, as yeah. opposed to just worrying about getting, you know, hitting or missing. Yeah. So to speak. And we're we're going to kind of do – so next Thursday, this little plug for next uh, Thursday's show, we are going live, obviously, at 5.30, 7.30 Eastern time. So a half hour before the draft actually starts. And we're each going to do our own one last – mock draft and i will say this as far as all of the drafts that i have done there's been some times where i hate the 27th pick and there's been times like well, this guy's here really so let me grab him i really i honestly think if i was a betting man i think we're gonna move back i've said it for how how many months now i mean i just I've been, the, the, yeah. the 25 to like 29 is to me is kind of like a dead zone because you're right on that cuffs cusp to where this guy is like a very, very edge first round player, but we could trade back, get a very similar player in the second round. You know, that get back yeah. to thirty four to swap this twenty seven, and, and then maybe, maybe another, maybe, yeah, short, and, shortly after, yeah, and maybe yeah. that our original guy falls to us, or we get like I said that similar guy that you had graded right there, and you get that extra draft capital. And we see Brandon Bean prioritizing draft capital right now by purposely not signing people to maintain that third round pick that we're going to get from losing Edmonds next year. Okay. You brought that up. I, I let me ask you guys and anybody in the comments can chime in. There's a lot of edge rushers still available. I think we kind of talked a little bit about that uh, a couple weeks ago, but there's some free agent edge rushers out there still. Do you guys feel like believe or hope that Brandon Bean brings in one or two of those guys after the draft? Like say uh, Yannick and Gawkway, or only, only if we don't if we don't fill that uh, need. Obviously, I think. Um, I mean, definitely give them guys a shout and see what's up. But I mean, there's al- there's always a second wave of free agents. Yeah. I mean, coming after the draft. I mean, it's and it's because of these compensatory picks. You know, like your biggest ed- uh, edge rushers are or might be out of reach, maybe so. But now, is the guys like, especially trading back. Now you can get bar like this is where Brandon Bean has been making his money the last couple of years is on the bargain bin guys. You know that's yeah. what he's been saying. That's how we got. I mean John Brown and like Cole Beasley and those kind. Yeah. I mean, he's really he's really hit and waited and he feel he keeps saying I'm going to fill needs through the draft. You know, and then then we're going to attack. All right, now see what we we really really need. Yeah, yeah. I, so you, you, uh, Mike, may, you sound like you, you feel like Edge is a need right now. Is that accurate? Let me. Well, I don't know. We got to see Von back. I got to see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I just have to see it. Um, until then, you know. But, but I, I do think we're decent there, to where it's, it's not the, the biggest deal, you know, to worry about. I'm personally yeah. comfortable with Epinesa. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I love him. Recovery. He's great. Yeah. I really think he's gonna, he's a good rotational player. Like we said, I mean, he was second on the team in sex last year. If um, I agree with what Ronnie says. Third. We don't want a rotation, right? 
No, I feel but like I, if he could get in there and stay in there, he would, it, yeah, you know, really do his thing. Quite possibly, but I mean, yeah. I would, I would rather have him over. I mean, I don't, the Vernon Butlers, like the guys that we've had before. I know he wasn't necessarily an edge yeah. rusher, but at least Epinesa can, can and has made impacts during games, and he's able to somewhat fill that role. And now this being year four that he's going into, he's going to grow even more. And depending on Vaughn's role, maybe Epinesa is the day one starter for the first quarter of the season, you know, and he ra- and he ra- and he racks up six sacks. Ray agrees with you. Future four roller Epinesa. Yeah. I'd um, love it. I, I remember uh, two seasons ago, I think it was opening weekend. Uh, well, not, well, yeah, the first week of the season, Epinesa, he had a really good game and there was some next gen stats out there. He had like, I don't know, a ridiculous get off. And it was like the, Second fastest uh, in in the league, only compared. I mean, it was ridiculous. I was like, "Oh wow!" So he he has a lot of get off. He has a lot of talent and skills there. And I do wonder. I kind of gone back and forth on this. The whole rotation thing drives me nuts. I understand their defensive line. I understand there is some rotation. Every team does it, but I think Buffalo does it probably more so than most teams. And and I know. Some people have said, well, the Eagles do it too. And look, they got 70 sacks. We're not the Eagles. We don't have that kind of depth. Like the Eagles were loaded on the defensive line. Let's, let's be honest about that. So um, I, at the moment here, this is for me, and it all comes down to this how Von Miller's recovery is shaping up and when they expect him exactly. to return. And uh, this is funny because this is one of the things that uh, came up on Twitter between uh, Spence and I. This is second go around for Von Miller with an ACL. Back in 2013, he had the same injury. Oh, I don't, I don't know if it's the same knee or not, but he had an ACL tear. It happened in November. He was a full go opening week of the following season and recorded, I think it was 14 sacks that season, the following very next year. This particular ACL tear is not a full tear. It's a partial. So, again, I don't think we're looking at that full 12-month spectrum like we saw with Tredavious White. Not only that, everybody's different how they heal and how quickly they heal. So you can't, I don't feel like you can really say, well, this happened with this guy and this happened with that guy. So this is what's going to happen with Von Miller. What happened with Von Miller in the past, I think is a better, to me, a better measuring stick. Um, So I would not be surprised if Miller is ready to go week one. And I'm not, I know this team's not going to push him back out there until he's hundred percent. They never have. So I'm not concerned about that at all. I do like Epinesa. The one I'm most excited to see though is a, Boogie. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not nope. out on Boogie just yet. I typically give defensive linemen about three seasons to show me what they got because that's kind of the the learning curve there. But Russo, eight sacks in his you know year two. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do in year three, especially with Daquan Jones, Oliver, and Settle and Phillips all back in the fold in the middle of that defensive line and hopefully can stay healthy. I think that'll be huge for Russo. Yeah, I mean, health is overall health of that defensive line is gonna. That's what's gonna determine how good we are. Like across the board. Yeah, it really is. If two of those guys goes down, that line's hurting big time. You know, if one of those guys goes down, we might be able to mask it if it's not Von Miller because we have Von Miller. You know, they're always almost always going to be doubling him. But if Oliver and Groot goes down, okay, so now we have settled Daquan. And Epinesa. All right, so now we're not in as good of shape. Right. 
But if we can yeah. stay healthy, I mean, we saw what that defensive line was able to do the first couple of weeks in the season. You know, they really got after Tannehill and um, Stafford. Yeah. Not to say not that those offensive lines were absolutely amazing, but still, you got to play what's in front of you, and they tore them apart. Smith right. does bring up a good point. I, I that makes sense. I was ten years ago. Von Miller's body's a little older. Probably not going to heal quite the same. Um. This one, I I think he did. Uh, Groot did play some on the inside. I think he did a little bit of it for Buffalo, too. Yeah, he did last year. Yeah, I don't know how many, what the percentage was. I'd have to take a look at that, but he did. And, and that's one thing, that we do have some guys that can slide inside if necessary. I think Epines has done it before as well, yep. and Basham. I think they all have, and that's one of the things that is, uh, you know, a key attribute or asset for McDermott and this, this staff is guys who can play – multiple positions, very versatile players, especially in the trenches. Well, that's something that's really curious too, is what the defensive line will look like as with McDermott as the defensive coordinator. Will yeah. the rotation be more? Will it be less? You know, it. that's all stuff that we have no idea what it's going to be until we see it. Will right. it be this? It may, might even be the same, the exact same. Could be. I know some people have talked about all the – are always saying that the Frazier, the defense that Frazier is running or was running, that's McDermott's defense. But then we always hear about how aggressive McDermott was as a play caller. So I don't think that it's necessarily the exact same yeah. defense. I, I do think they make it sound like there. make it sound like Frazier was there doing nothing. Yeah, make it yeah. sound like he was just he was I just doubt that. a puppet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm with you. I'm excited to see um, what the defense looks like this year. And it's been kind of fun watching McDermott in some of these press conferences when he's talking about playing calls. He is – he's like a little kid. He is so excited about doing it again. He's really looking forward to it. Uh, and I think that's going to – it's going to bring a lot to the, to the table. And it, our defense has always been good, but it's always kind of lacked those splash plays. We get them every now and then. But on a consistent, regular basis, we don't see that. So I'm, I'm hoping, hoping to see the more of that in 2023. Oh yeah, who doesn't want defensive touchdowns? <laughs> I'll just settle for sacks so we can get the ball back in Josh Allen's <laughs> hands. But hey, defensive touchdowns would be great too. Um, <laughs> as far as we kind of talked a little bit about the offensive line just just a second ago. Um, let me ask you guys, as far as the offensive line, I've been tooting this horn all offseason long and said I'm going to die on this hill. We need to strengthen the offensive line. We need to do more. And I've heard a lot of people are like, well, we signed two guys in free agency, and then they just signed another guy, a six foot six, I think another guard. I can't remember the name. He's kind of an unknown. Um, hasn't really played a lot because of injuries and, and things like that. But uh, do you guys think that – for 2023, if the offensive line stays as it is now, we're going to assume that Montgomery takes over for Saffold. I guess it's up in the air whether or not Bates versus Edwards, whoever wins that battle, I who knows. From what I've heard, they're very similar as far as like level of talent. But as it is right now, are you guys comfortable with the offensive line? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a lot more comfortable <laughs> than I was with it. <laughs> But yeah, for sure. But I, I, we're talking about all these different positions now, and, and it's making me think, you know, all the, all the different options that would that would be available when we would just go best available <laughs> at twenty seven, unless, yeah. unless there was someone we really wanted, twenty seven or somewhere around there. Yeah, not too far off. Yeah, 
See, I might be the wrong person to ask this question because a year ago, almost to this date, when we had signed Roger Saffold, I was like, offensive line issues solved. We are yeah, good. Right? Like, there is nothing <laughs> wrong with this. Like, I was ecstatic and we sucked. <laughs> like, it was bad. And so, I, yeah, I was on I'm, that there, too. There's a few tackles out there in the draft, though, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind I'm first st- round. I'm still comfortable. Like I, I like Bates. I, I saw what Bates could do two years ago, and I, I think he, I think he could be very good. I saw what Singletary was able to do at the end of the year. What our offense was able to do at the end of the year, with him playing left guard, and McGovern hopefully sw- moving back to his natural right guard position. I'm like, uh, McDermott said he was going to, but we'll see. This is we're in April. Um, but I. I am, I guess I am comfortable because I'm willing to give Spencer Brown that this next year, and McGovern and I like McGovern. I like the trajectories on same as Bates. Dawkins is Dawkins. Mitch Morris is still one of the best centers in the league. If we added a tackle at 27, I wouldn't hate it. I would completely understand. You know, I there's just there's so much talent, and if they're going best player available, and they and they think Anton Harrison's the 20th best player in the draft. And he's sitting there at 27. Then yeah, take him. Let Spencer Brown and he fight it out. And at least we know we'll have somebody halfway decent on the field. Yeah, I traded back in my draft just just as the show was before the show was starting. <laughs> and I'm I'm looking at three of them right here. And I got a, uh, I think I traded back for 29 or something like that. So you'll have your choice. All right, maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's I actually don't mind that. And. Uh... I, I'm not crazy about dra- trading out of the first round. And somebody else mentioned that here in the comments too, about if the bills trade back, it's not going to be out of the first round. It'll just be later. And I'm okay with that depending on who they're trying to, to grab there. But you mentioned Mitch Morris being one of the better centers in football. And I don't know where he, how he stacks up against the other centers. I'd have to look at it, but his PFF grade is not that good. 61.4. And I know PFF isn't everything, but when we brought in um, McGovern, everybody's like, oh, his run block sucks. Look at his PFF grade. It was very similar to Spencer Brown. You look at Mitch Morse's run block grade, 57.3. Again, not good. Even Deion Dawkins, as much as we all love him, he has moments where you're like, what are you doing? Or what mm-hmm. are you not doing? Because you're not blocking. <laughs> so I guess for me um, I, I still want to bring in at least two more in the draft two more offensive linemen, bring in another tackle, bring in a tackle that can play both sides. Um, somebody like a, what's the big one? Darnell Wright. That's the big name that's been popping up. Mm-hmm. He's played both sides, right and left tackle. If he comes in and he beats these guys out for the job, then he takes their job. And I'm okay with it. I love Spencer Brown. I'm like, I'm one of those fans that I get like <laughs> attached to the players. Like they're my best friends and I don't want them to leave. But when it comes right down to the game, we want our team to win. So if that means Spencer Brown gets ousted by a rookie who I don't know yet, then I'm sorry. See you later, Brown. Hey, man, all the power to him. It's yeah. There's no I in team. You know, we love all these players individually, but we want the best 11 on the field. Tom, see, Tommy Doyle. T- Tommy Doyle <laughs> is a name that – I, I have, to see, yeah. I, I've kept, I've kept it in the back of my head. I mean, I, why not? I mean, I, I, he's never really gotten the chance. I think he, he deserves it at least. He's been in the system. This will be, I want to say, his third year. Um, 
So yeah, he can't stay on the field though. No, I know he's been hurt, but I'd like to see him at least get a shot. Yeah, and I hope he does. Um, and I'm sure he will. I think that uh, I, I, almost to a fault, McDermott in the past has been, I guess, very flexible with his offensive lines with constant changes, trying to find the right five. And that's kind of always been one of the things that I've always, I guess, um, held against McDermott in that way is how long does it take you to find the best five? Like we're halfway through the season and we've had <laughs> eight different combinations now. I get sometimes injuries play a role in that, but if you can't figure it out through OTAs, the voluntary workouts, mini camps, training camp, preseason, who your best five is, I feel like there's a problem there. I, maybe but, the problem is you're struggling yeah. with evaluating them, or maybe the problem is they're just not very good. And you're like, well, oh, crap, what do I do? I mean, I, I I think it would be the latter. I think it would just be they're all so similar, and they all have their their downfalls and doubts in each in all these different ways that it's like a pick your poison kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So Joe Tipman would be a perfect backup center who will eventually replace Morris. I do agree that we need a center. I would love uh, – I'd love to get a center in this draft. Yeah. But Ryan Bates has been a center. He's done that before. He could do yep. it. So yeah. maybe he moves to center and we get a new guard in Osiris Torrance or, you know, one of these other guys. Or you draft um, like Andrew Voorhees who's going to sit this yeah. year. You know, I, I, that would make me so happy would be for us to get Andrew Voorhees just to let him sit for an entire year and learn just behind Bates and McGovern and then let him and Bates kind of battle it out because McGovern signed for the next couple of years and Bates' contract is starting to get to the point where we could cut him and not lose that much money. Yeah. You know, we we're already about halfway through the, the show and we haven't even got to our all time greats yet. Ooh. We haven't. <laughs> um, let's start with this one. I wide receivers. Yeah. Um, when I first put out this poll and I started kind of go, so I put out the poll both on Facebook and I also put it on Twitter. The Twitter is a little bit of a disadvantage because you can only do four options. So sometimes I have to run two separate polls and then a third one with the two best, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but on Facebook, I can put them all together, which, I was doing, but then I think sometimes some players kind of pulled away votes for guys who probably better deserve it. But who do you think ran away with this? Diggs. Diggs or Reed, one of the two. Reed. It's Reed. It was Reed. So here's my question, though, because the thing that kept coming up was, well, Andre Reed's a Hall of Famer. Stephon Diggs isn't. He's only been with the Bills for three seasons. He's only done this. He's only done that. Is, is right. I mean, he could be one of the best talent wise. That's like the constant battle we're in because is it Josh Allen or Jim Kelly? Exactly. Well, exact same a, thing. There's a lot of unknown still. Exactly. Do you uh, let me ask you if you're looking at it right now, is Diggs a Hall of Famer? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> that's hard. So Hall of Fame to me, are you are you one of the best in your generation? Like top five in your generation, I would say no right now. You know, for like the late teens to mid twenties, uh, I would say no. Like just year years wise that he's been in the league, I would say he's in the top ten 
which gets you the argument to be in the Hall of Fame for sure. But I, I, I think if he has another season where he's top two, top three in yards, receptions, and touchdowns, then you could definitely make. So you're you saying today. There. Today, 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 no. Right. In two years with two more years under his belt, probably. Yeah. You can, you can definitely comfortable in saying he's on his way. Yeah, he's on okay. the way, but he's not there yet. So if you're looking at it, you're saying that if his career were in now, it's a no. However, he is, the trajectory is a Hall of Fame career. Yes, if he can, if he puts up three thousand, three one thousand yard more seasons, you know, maybe four and another 35, 30, 35 touchdowns. Hell yeah, he will be, because yeah. he'll he'll also be right at the top of all the records for the Bills as well. You know? How long do you hang around <laughs> after that? Just, yeah. Robert Foster, the unsung <laughs> hero, of Josh Allen's rookie career. Rookie oh, we love some Robert Foster. Um, this is the thing that I always go back to when it comes to the wide receivers and fair or not. Two things. One is the era. Like if you put Andre Reed into today's NFL, he's going to have 150 receptions probably. Maybe more. Is like, he? Is I he? think so because the, today's rules are he can't touch receivers. You can't breathe on them. Like it is so geared towards the passing game nowadays, and it was back then. Like Andre Reed, go over the middle. It was legal to give him a concussion. Like you were trying to, <laughs> and he probably played with about four or five of them a, a year. He took those hits week in and week out, and it was legal then. And he got back up, and he did it again and again and again. And I'm not saying Diggs can't do that, but it's just a completely different era. And I do the same thing with quarterbacks. That's the reason why. Like if you like the discussion, the, the greatest all time in quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas, you got all these guys. You the era that they played in is a real part of the discussion. You have to consider that. And when it comes to Bill's all times greats, one of the things that I always go back to is the quarterback play. I'm bringing this up because Eric Moulds, to me, purely as a wide receiver, pure talent, he's the best to ever play for the Bills. And I'm not counting Terrell Owens because <laughs> he played one season, <laughs> the latter part of his career. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Andre Reid hands down, digs on his way, but still has to perform. Uh, same thing, uh, kind of what people have been saying. But, yeah, here's one. Sam, thank you. Eric Moles was a legend. Imagine right. what Eric Moles could do if he had Jim Kelly or Josh Allen. Dude, yeah. you're telling me Eric Moles is my first jersey. Like he like my first game against Kansas City, like Eric Molds was it. It was he and Lee Evans, and I was like, we have the two best like wide receivers yeah. ever. Like I was so pumped, but we had JP Lossman and Trent Edwards throwing the football. You know, like like you just said, imagine if they had the quarterbacks of ten years prior or ten years later. They yeah. would they would set the world on fire. Yeah. It stinks yeah. that it gets you know, they can get overshadowed like that, but Right, and that's why when you're looking at any kind of a top five, top ten, top whatever, it is difficult to to compare players because who do they play with? This football is the greatest team sport on the planet. I know you got nine guys on the field when you're playing baseball, but they don't really work in conjunction necessarily together. Like in the NFL and football, the game of football, if one guy's not doing his job. It makes yeah. it, it just ruins the whole thing for everybody else. 
And that's kind of one of the things that we'll talk about here when we talk about the tight ends, because we're going to hit them up here, here shortly. Uh, with the tight ends, it's even harder, I feel like, because there, I think, have been some good tight ends to play for Buffalo. Just you, what is the scheme? Same Who is scenario. the quarterback? Right. Yeah. Is it Molds, Dig, Reed, or Molds? See, I like how they just, it's Molds and then everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think for now, for me, I would have to go Digs or Molds, Molds, Reed, then Digs. This is going to break my heart. Diggs would have to be established here longer to to, to compete with Molds, right? Yeah, yeah. Because there's mean, definitely the debate. I mean, over Diggs is a better player. Diggs is over five thousand. Has five thousand yards yeah. less receiving. I mean, in a bit in his Bills career. Yeah, right. But I'd doing? say it's Andre Reed, Molds, and then Diggs as all-time Bills. Yeah, you, you have three. to because I I think your tenure has a, has a lot to do with it. And, For sure. what, and what Andre Reed was able to do, I mean, the numbers that he did put up, I mean, it it, it counts for something. It, it does. It, and there was a moment there where he was, I think, number two all time in receptions. Um, so he's you know right up there. There's here's a name in the comments that I want to mention because I did Bunyan. put, I did include him on on the the polls that I did. And Mold Reed Diggs, those were the top three. Um, but Elbert Dubinian. Uh, if you ever get a chance to pull, go to YouTube and pull up some old 1960s film games, <laughs> the quality obviously sucks, and they're just <laughs> little blobs on the screen. But you can tell which one is Dominion. He was so much faster and quicker than everybody else on the field. It was unreal to watch. Yeah. Um, so if you ever get the chance, go check him out. It was it was pretty cool. And, again, this is another guy, though, that played in an era. They just didn't throw the ball much. You know, it was all about the run game back then in defense. And well, yeah, because uh, they threw their arm out at the steel mill earlier that day, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, Reed's yard after the catch on another level absolutely was like he was so fun to watch. Um, true. Uh, there's something I, you said something a while ago, Casey, that uh, you mentioned the word generation <laughs> and. Um, it reminded me, I wrote this down actually, when I first heard it, a couple of things I wrote down because I'm like, I'm tired of hearing this. And this came up because somebody was talking about John Robinson, generational talent. I swear if another person says generational to me, I'm going to freak out. Like you can't have 33 generational players in a single generation. It doesn't work. <laughs> and that, that term gets thrown around so much driving me crazy. <laughs> So I, I just had to go out on that little rant right there. Well, he's going to be the best running back ever for years to come. Is that what they're trying to say? Apparently. But they said wow. that about Zeke. They said that about Saquon. Right. They said that about everybody. Like, yeah. it's always the top running back. Oh, my God, he's the best since Barry Sanders. And he turns out, oh, he's good for four years, and then he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it's interesting to me that guys like – we, we hear about Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas, Emma Smith. Those are the big three back in the 90s. They all played for 10-plus years. So why is it today they can't play for more than five? Like I, I've never really understood that. Why is the drop-off so significant nowadays for running backs? And, and you go back to the 60s and 70s. Those guys played for 15 years. <laughs> I, you tell me. I wasn't around for those <laughs> like records, days. Like, records being like, broken. They're constantly getting faster, you know. Bigger, stronger. Yeah, bigger, you know stronger, I mean? faster. But is should more the running backs be getting bigger, stronger, they're... and faster? They are. I don't know. But, I mean, like you said, I mean, 
like you said, in the nineties, the bills had the heaviest line in football, but they were like, they had three, only three guys over 300 pounds. Dude, there's linebackers that are 300 pounds. So, I mean, like, guys and those guys run bodies, as fast as the running backs. Pushing like, so their, their bodies that much further. They there all are great. These guys are legitimate freight trains. Not that they weren't back then. And I mean, they had a guy nicknamed the fridge because he was so big, but like <laughs> it, it, everything's just bigger, faster, stronger now. And it, it's hard. It's just hard to keep up. But you're just pushing their bodies to the limits. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're the smallest guys on the field. You know, they're not going to last as long. I'm going to put this up on, on the screen and I know it's probably going to fire up some people, but um... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I did not personally watch OJ play, so I, it's hard for me to compare. I did watch Barry Sanders play. Um, I grew up watching Sanders and Thomas and Emma Smith, and I will forever, to, to this day this. anyways, go to my grave saying Barry Sanders was the greatest ever running back, true running back. Like Thurman Thomas did what nobody else was doing back then as far as the passing game and run game. But I will say this. I actually, actually I was on YouTube today. And I was searching through 1970s, and there are quite a few games uh, available there from the 70s. So I am planning on spending my summer and watching some of those games because I do want to see some of these guys play. Um, I One of the polls that I've been running that I ran this week, so I started doing the offensive line, right? And I got to, I think it was the guards, and now I've forgotten the name and I wish I'd written it down. But it didn't include this guy on the pole and he played in the seventies. He was part of the electric company as they were referred to. And I kind of got roasted a little bit by a lot of the older fans are like, how do you not put this guy in there? It's like, sorry, I haven't heard that name before. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and that's one of the reasons why I do this kind of stuff because I get to hear about some of these players and um, can learn about them. So I'm going to go, like I said, I'm going to watch some of those games from the seventies and, and check them out. Um, was it gazelle in the field, but something else. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> Jailbird. Barry Barry used the field like a chessboard. <laughs> he and man. he just the, the moves, you know, the, the double cuts or I, I don't even know what you call some of these moves that, that he was doing. <laughs> and just shake. Barry Sanders was something else, man. Like I there was one game that he was against the Bears and he hits a simple run to the left, right, whatever, and he goes into this crowd of Chicago Bears defensive def defenders, and he disappears, and then the next thing you know, he's wow. bouncing backwards and, and spinning, and he's out the, you know, like, what? how, where, what? <laughs> he was so fun to watch. My God, the guy just never stopped going. Okay, hold on. Sarah, comment in. Is this live? Is this going, like, did this just happen? Look at that. I got some breaking news here. <laughs> Do we, have, do we have breaking news on the Mafia cast? That's kind of crazy. <laughs> that I mean, twenty-one million. It is. Look at that. So that's decent amount. That's of money. awesome. Thanks for the info, Sarah. I haven't gotten that update. Look at that. So, what oh, do you guys think? <laughs> I think it's great. I think he's one of the better kickers in the league. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, he's con he's very consistent. I mean, he's the best kicker we've had. I mean, I loved it. When we signed Hauska from Seattle, I loved it. I mean, the Bills have had a decent track record with kickers um, between Ryan Lindell and then Hauska and, and now Bass. I mean, he, it's they've done a good well, they've done a good job um, scouting these guys and and bringing them in and retaining them because all like Hauska was here for a decent amount of years until 
finally his leg just basically gave out. Yeah. But Bass is like, I mean, everybody on the team loves Tyler Bass. And we saw what, Mike, we saw it live when yeah. we beat Miami in the playoffs by the by that field goal. And, like, he came sliding in on his, like, yeah. uh, Penguin sliding in. First person there to, like, congratulate him was Diggs. You know, yeah. like, all these, like, he oh, he's just a kicker. But he's still, like, one of the boys the on the team. Yeah, he's the kicker. And I'm so happy that he's here for a long time. Yeah. So his and last our, contract looks like it was like three and a half over four years, right? Rookie contract. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And he just, yeah, good I'm, for him. Really bad. I'm curious to see what this means for cap, like cap measures. Miss Sarah, I want to know how that stacks up against the rest of the league. Is he one of the highest paid kickers now? I would imagine so at that that amount. Does it have to be? I don't know. I don't think he's the highest. I think that still goes to uh, oh Justin Tucker's got Tucker, that. Yeah. I think he's yeah. got like eight million a year or something like that. So I'm going to jump back in really quick. So there's a lot of comments in here about Barry Sanders, OJ Simpson. I, I think this summer we're not. We're, you know, we're going to be kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for some content. Let's let's talk about all time greats. Let's let's put together an all time greatest team, not just Bills, but league wise. Uh, that'll be fun. We'll. we'll Get into All that right. and really start digging into some some players and stuff. Um, Sarah says, as far as the, the the contract, let's wait until the actual numbers come out. Right, this, um, this is true. Yeah, good as advertised, good pickup by Bean. Oh, yes, I'm so glad sure. to hear somebody say that because I'm tired of hearing people say, oh, "Wow, he sucked at this pick and that pick." Oh, well, they God. all suck with some picks, but he's also done some really good ones too. But oh. okay, I'm not going to go down that road because we'll be here forever. Let's get into the all time tight ends. So when we talk about all Bill all time Bills greats, Casey, first name that comes to your mind. Scott Chandler. You stole Mike. it. We were watching the same games. <laughs> we were watching the same games. <laughs> Scott Chandler is all I knew on the Bills for the longest time. They tight end. In the so, same scenario as the other guys. Charles Clay. I mean, he and but someone who's like my honorable mention is Kevin Everett. I that is <laughs> one of the things I will never see unsee in my life was, I mean, that, that was, that was kind of scarring to, I think it happened in what, like 2008, you know, 2005, something like that. I mean, I was young. So just to see that live, not necessarily understanding fully, like what was going on in the field. And then when Damar happened, like it, I instantly had that same exact feeling again yeah. as, as I did back then. I mean, it, it was, those two things have never happened before, and now they both happen to my team. Like that's right, like right. I, I, it was that's where it kind of well, this is part of being a Buffalo fan. We had the ter- we have the bad luck. Um, so for me, he like Kevin Everett's going to be like my number one tight end for for the Bills. He was not even on my list as far as the 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 polls go. <laughs> uh, the guys that I had on the list was Keith McKellar. Which I hope everybody knows who that is. Um, Dawson Knox, everybody knows him. Pete Metzlars, we've already seen his name mentioned a few times here. Uh, Jay Ramirezma, Scott Chandler, and Charles Clay. I put Keith McKellar in there because he wasn't necessarily like statistically the best, but he obviously plays a very significant role in Bill's history. Uh, the K Gun being named after him. So, really? yeah. It's it's funny that Mets' name is coming up as much here in the comments. So you guys know I I, I, I do the, the ultimate team on Madden, right? 
And they do have a Pete Metzlar's tight end gold 99 card for, for Pete Metzlar's. It's the first time they've ever done that. Just super pumped when I saw that come out. But <laughs> he blew everybody away on the poll. Wasn't even close. On the Facebook poll, he got 76% of the votes. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Most, yeah, most pure was... touchdowns ever. Yep. Wow. And guess who is second all time behind him in touchdowns? Tight end. Is it Knox already? Sure is. Wow. Really? See, yeah. that's no, no, and I'm this is not a knock on Knox, but that shows how bad the Bills have been at tight end. You know, I mean, my it, <laughs> it's truly totally a knock on Knox, <laughs> dude. No, but he's been in the league for now his fifth year and he's second already in receiving touchdowns for tight end. I mean, that's like that's not like that's, it wasn't hard to wild. beat, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like that outlandish of. Of yeah. feet, apparently, you know. So how and many does he of, have total? I mean, he could definitely be number one. Well, he had nine. 20. Yeah, he's at twenty right now. The record is twenty six, wow. held by Pete yeah. Metzlars. Yeah, he'll he'll he should definitely definitely be able to conquer I, that. Yeah, I think he if he doesn't get it this year, definitely next year. But he had six touchdowns last season. He had nine the season before. So just in the last two years, he's had 15. Barring, of course, some catastrophic injury, I think he's going to break the record. Um, which, yeah, uh, Tox is a touchdown machine. Um, <laughs> Tox isn't even that nice. That's crazy. Jason Kroom. Dated <laughs> better mention him. Uh, <laughs> Jason Kroom. <laughs> yeah, we have a pretty, pretty man tight end history. You have no yeah. idea how many times I saw that almost exact comment uh, on this poll, but it's true. Like you were just it saying, is true. with um, Charles, when I was amazed when I saw like what Charles Clay was able to do in a Bills jersey, because I had never, even loving Scott Chandler as much as I did growing up, I, I never saw him play nearly as good as sometimes Charles Clay did until he dropped that touchdown yeah. against the Dolphins. But let's also look at this too. Like we're talking about the different eras, it's the same thing. The tight end just wasn't used the same way. 30 years ago as it is today. Like it was another the, block. The Tony, the, the Tony Gonzalez of the world were very rare. And now it's almost like the norm. And if you don't have a good tight end, you know, there's something wrong with you. Um, but that whole all-time greats kind of sparked an, another conversation. Top tight ends in the NFL today, active tight ends that are currently still playing because – Somebody on Twitter had commented, why is Dawson Knox even on this list? He's not even top 10 in the NFL right now. So I was like, okay, well, let's let's put this together and let's see what we come out with. Um, I'm going to start with Casey. What, what is your top 10? Because I'm curious to hear what Mike says because we know that Mike put a lot of thought into this. And Mike so put about 17 hours worth of work into <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. Love it, love it. Can make it sound Casey, like it's more than it was. <laughs> Casey, on the other hand, was like, Two minutes later, I got. I'm done. I was. I got this. Most of my time was spent trying to figure out how a way to a way to really <laughs> mathematical kind of guy. So how to, how to really spell? It. I love it. How to spell yeah. Goddard? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's hear your yeah. top ten. Yeah, got so, me a couple times. Sorry. Uh, one through ten, uh, Kelsey. Obviously, I mean that's that's a given. I have Andrews, and then Kittle, and then Waller, as my that round out the top four, and then Hawkinson. Goddard, and here's where it gets interesting. I have Evan Ingram, and then Dawson Knox, and then Pat Fryermuth, and then Dalton Schultz. Where's my pencil? <laughs> uh, 
So you do have Knox in your top ten. Would you say I do? Eight? Yes. I think okay. if I think if he was utilized more as a focal point in the offense, he could climb this list and like I don't think he could get to Waller uh to number four, but I think he could climb and uh get past Hawkinson, uh Goddard and Ingram for sure. Yeah, there's uh, I'm going to touch on some of the, the comments here really quick uh, in relation to our tight ends. If we draft Arnold Washington, we, he could soon be the best, maybe. Um, Kittle is the best overall touchdown talent-wise. I would have to say that goes to Kelsey. Kelsey had like a ridiculous number of touchdowns last season. I want to say like Kelsey, 15 or Kelsey something like that. Like, if you, you'd have a much better debate if Kelsey wasn't on the list at all. Yeah, true. Absolutely, he's just in a league of his own. Well, he and well, he and Andrews. Yeah, really. To me, it's like well, Kelsey and then Andrews, and then it, like it just keep, drops off a little bit more and more. Yeah, I think Kittle is right there, pretty close to to Kelsey. Uh, I think if they ran similar offenses, uh, we would be saying one A and one B. I think Kittle is that good. He has that kind of talent. They just don't run the same type of offense. Again, going back to that thing, when you're comparing any position, you have to look at the scheme. Like, are they utilized the same way? Because that's going to skew the numbers. Kelsey's, um, Kelsey's wide receiver one on the Chiefs. Yeah. So, I mean, you could say Dino's, or um, Yeah, I'm talking about the Niners. But, yeah, with uh, the Chiefs, definitely one. But compare that to Knox and the Bills. You know, Knox is option number, I mean, we'll say three. You know, and that's being generous. If between uh, Davis and uh, Diggs, it should be Knox. And our, and our opinion on what's on the team right now, yeah, it should be Knox. But he's not. He's not used that way. He's not asked to get 800 yards and 15 touchdowns. He's asked to get 500 yards and 10 touchdowns. You know, nine touchdowns. Use him when we need him. Yeah. Time. Yeah. He's more so a, lu- a luxury, really. Um. Mike, what do you got? Uh, okay. So man, yeah, I spent a lot, way too much time on this, but I made it. I made it happen. <laughs> so <laughs> at the beginning of the list, obviously going to sound uh, similar. Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Hawkinson, Ingram, Fryermuth, Komet, Higby, Johnson, and Knox. Johnson so as John Johnson. Yes. Saints. Yes. His and name this came is up. Yeah. Clearly mathematical. I put down some stats. I made up a point system. And it's I I did it a few different ways. And that's just the way the cards fell the last time and Knox ended up right there. <laughs> hey man, stick to your guns. Stick to your guns. This is yeah. what you yeah. figured out. This is what you like. Right. Yeah. When we when we start putting together a, the all time greats list, you might need to f- you know, just take a vacation from your day job because it's going to be yeah. a lot of mathematical. Yeah, because yeah, I just – I'll go nuts with it. If I, that, if I that's, what, that's what you're doing when you go down to the Outer Banks in a couple months, bud. Yeah, right. right. So, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. With, Give me something to list, do on them, on them uh, mornings when I'm up earlier than everyone. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be pretty cool to see what we come up with. Um, my list – so I, I did a top – like seven. The first seven were relatively easy for me. And mm-hmm. so I'll just start with that. Travis Kelsey was number one, followed by Kittle, Hawkinson, Evan Ingram, Fryer Muth, uh, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller. Waller would probably be higher on the list, barring the injuries last season. 
Kyle Pitts. I know that name's been mentioned a couple of times in here. Uh, I know he hasn't done a lot statistically, but again, who has he had thrown in the ball in the last – well, since he came into the league. I think talent-wise, he's right there with all of these guys. Dallas Goddard, Dawson Knox is my number 10. I'm, let me name off some of these guys, though, that could have you know made him in there. Tyler Conklin, Will Disley, Greg Dulcich, Noah Fant. You can make an argument for that one. Mike Gusecki, definitely an argument. Goddard, mm-hmm. Hunter Henry, Tyler Higby, uh, Hayden Hurst, Njoku, Parham, Dalton Schultz. Was another one Logan Thomas? Bills people should remember him. Uh, Ex quarterback. Yeah, and then Robert Tunyon. When I got to the last three on my top ten, I was like, I can almost make an argument for half of those people. Right, Maybe it more was like a toss up 10. at that point. Yeah, it really was. Um, and then you guys mentioned like a couple guys that I very well could have had in my top ten, but they just didn't make it there. That would have pushed Knox out of the top ten for me. Some reason with the point system, they didn't make it though. So Popper, oh sorry, like Waller. Well, I think Waller's a great player, but he didn't make it in the way I laid it out. So, yeah, because he just didn't have the numbers this season. But yeah, once you get once you get past the top six, seven, eight, I mean, this list is really it could be a toss up. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, yeah. All right, Popperon, explain to me how Mark Andrews fell all the way to what seven, six, Uh, six. How? How? Um, because that's where I put him. <laughs> but I feel so like I feel like his me. production, a lot of his production, is because he's the only option in the passing game. So it's it shouldn't Kelsey be lower than? But sh- shouldn't Kelsey be lower than? No, because he's got talent around him. Same thing, Kel. Yeah, Kelsey. I would say the wide receiver court for the Chiefs is the same as the Ravens. No. Oh yeah. No. But see if you. If oh I, yeah. If I <laughs> if I sort by touchdowns, it puts them down the list a little bit. I think. Dawson Knox is top five in touchdowns, which I don't think no. a lot of people realize it that. Andrews down. Yeah. Because he had. Andrews statistically had didn't have like good of a season. There's quite a few. Quite a few no, tight ends. But, so again, touchdowns. to your point, look at who he had throwing in the ball. Right. For a quarter yeah. of the season. No, you can make an argument for where Andrews being higher. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know why, why, but it really bugs me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, once you get past Kelsey and Kittle for me, I mean, I mean, you could even say Kelsey really, but the next three or four are pretty interchangeable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I wanted to to touch on a little bit on Dawson Knox because one of the things that I keep hearing when people talk about drafting a tight end, and there are a, a group of people that are like, why would we draft a tight end? We don't even use the one we have. Um, first of all, that's kind of been an issue as far as um, Dorsey goes is using his weapons. So if you're going to use that logic and not drafting a tight end, then don't draft a wide receiver either. Just fill digs out there and just throw the ball, right? <laughs> but the interesting thing that I found today while going through all these tight ends, Knox was targeted, uh, what was it, 50? No. Oh, I'd have to look at the numbers again. But Knox anyways, was 48 for 65. 65, and he was targeted 72 times last season. Mm-hmm. He had 49 receptions two seasons ago, 48 this year. The yardage was almost identical. I think there may be like 50 yards difference maybe. Uh, six touchdowns last year compared to nine. And the target share throughout the, the season was 
pretty even. I think there was a little bit more of the targets came in the first half of the season as opposed to the second. But when you look at that, you start to realize, okay, maybe he was used, at least used in the same way that Dayball did. So why is everybody on Knox saying that he had a bad season, he's not used, I think it's replace him? I think it's just because he's not George Kittle or Kelsey. What happened in the beginning of the season? I mean, he missed, you know, the first couple in a couple of games uh, due to uh, Luke passing away, which can nobody's blaming him for that at all. And we saw, I mean, I don't know if they were just trying to get him back into game shape the following couple of games after when he did come back, or if he just wasn't in rhythm himself. But he clearly wasn't the, the same Dawson Knox that we saw the year prior, at least the first couple of games back from that absence. So yeah. between that, I mean, I think that's what really sent him into a, uh, to fans into like a down season. Like you said, statistically it was the same, even missing uh, that amount of games. So we'll see. Yeah. There but he's not the guy things. we're relying on, you know, and that's just – that's why <clears> – <throat> You know, because some think, teams do rely on their tight yeah, end. To what you were just saying a while ago, uh, Mike, he's not Kelsey. I think she, I, I think Bills fans are probably more familiar with the Chiefs and, and their roster more than any other team, maybe outside of Miami. But so when they see Kelsey constantly doing what he does, that's what they want Knox to do. But that's just, that's not him. Our offense doesn't run through him the way it runs through Kelsey. So to set that expectation is not accurate. Um there was one thing in here. Oh, and then the other thing, too, if you look at, and I know fantasy football, it doesn't really correlate to the field, but at the same time, as far as the stats all go, it does kind of. And Knox was actually top 10. He was number nine in fantasy points last season amongst tight ends. So to say he's not a top 10 tight end in the NFL, to me, is crazy talk. I think he is. He's borderline. He's right there, but he is. Um, T- Talent-wise, you can make the argument for him to be you know, number five. He's just Stat, like a touchdowns. He's that's he's why is what it brings him is what brings him down, and that's kind of where why he falls at like uh, number. I think it was eight for me. Yeah, you look yeah. at TDs, and he's like number six this year, yeah. and I think that's very important. Even missing <laughs> all those games. Yeah. yeah, let me. I want to talk about that's this because I know the most. Knox doesn't have soft hands like Todd Heap or Zach Miller. Uh, Mike, you were kind of putting together a, a targets or a, I'm sorry a. Uh, reception percentage, catch rate, whatever you call it. Yeah. Prior to the show, and I was looking at that too. And again, yeah. not actually top ten. If you take, yeah. Uh, with what, what I did was I looked at the tight ends with a minimum of fifty targets. A minimum of fifty targets. He was top ten in catch percentage. And yeah, like, he's at like seventy five percent. Yeah. Close to a so, seventy four. So I just so. feel like a lot of the narrative that we're seeing out there about Dawson Knox is not accurate. Yeah, and then. You look at the tight ends that have a better catch percentage than Dawson Knox, and it's not who you think it'd be. It's not Kelsey. It's not Kittle. You know, I don't think Andrews is on here. It's probably guys like Higby. It's guy. It's guys like Robert Tunyon and yep. Gusecki. You know, I'm Goder, sure those kind of guys. Fan. Yeah, got Goder. Um, and then some players you don't hear like Disley that's got 34 for 38. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but 30, but. What seven of those passes are one yard touchdowns, right? Right, yeah. So, well, and um, when I was looking at the catch rates and stuff, we have a tight end on this Bills team that has a catch percentage of over 90 percent. Maurice Morris caught 10 of 11 targets, (laughs) 
<laughs> so, but I mean, that's only 11 targets, but Wait, you know, that's Quint, why, you know, Quentin Morris. Yeah. Okay. That guy's middle name. No. Mur Murray's. This is a, a good point here. Put Knox and Casey in place of Kelsey. What is, I think Knox has similar numbers. I, if you, I could see it. I mean, if, yeah, if he's their number one option, would you Kansas City's team last year would when he would Juju MVS, you know, um a rookie Sky Moore, those kind of guys. I could see Knox maybe not having 130 catches for 1400 yards and 17 touchdowns, but I can see him having 100 catches for 1000 yards and 12 touchdowns easily with Andy Reid as, as the offensive coordinator, you know, the probably well, in my opinion, the best play call, offensive play caller to ever like coach. Yeah, I think he'd go off just like Travis Kelsey. Yeah, and and I've <laughs> said that before that um, Knox could be that guy for Buffalo if they wanted him to be. And I got a lot of slack for oh Kelsey, and you know Knox isn't Kelsey. I'm like I'm not saying that, but if you put him in that same system, he's going to put up similar numbers. Yeah, maybe like you said, not as great, but. Pretty close because Kelsey um, is a special player in and of himself. You know? Yeah, no, Knox, Knox isn't that yeah. on that Kelsey level great player, but he's a damn good athletic player and can catch and can really run the football. Imagine so, if the Bills threw him the ball. It's like saying the Bills throw him the ball twice as much. Yeah, say just sw switch he and Stefan's targets. Yeah, you know, would he put up the same numbers as, as Stefan? No, but he'd still put up a thousand. A thousand More than just for some context here, like you said, Dawson Knox had 65 targets a season ago. Travis Kelsey, 152. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. That's almost, what, two and a half times more? So That's comparing yeah. Josh Allen to our local community college quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, you could legit say that if you swap those two, Dawson Knox would have well over 100, 100 receptions, probably twice the touchdowns he does now. So, yeah, I think – He'd be, a, he he'd be a hundred, a thousand and ten. You know, I think yeah. would, I think that he could easily, not easily, but he could consist, consistently yeah. do that in that offense. And he literally had half the <laughs> touchdowns as Kelsey, six and twelve. See, this yeah. is what happens when you make that that comparison. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're, which is what we're not doing. <laughs> well, I'm what we're saying is you put Knox in the similar system and you throw him 150 or 152 balls. He's going to have a Pro Bowl, possibly All Pro type season. Yeah. That's just the offense the Chiefs play in. What tight end? That, yeah, that play, exactly. I mean, Darren Waller, Kittle, um, Hawkinson, Andrews, Ingram. You name these guys. Jawan Johnson. You throw them the ball 152 times, they're going to get a hundred plus receptions, probably, and well over a thousand yards, and double digit touchdowns. That's a lot of what Kelsey. Uh, benefits from I'm not saying he's not great because I like I said I do think he's the best in the league, but a lot of his numbers I mean it's volume you can't argue that exactly yeah so we are a little bit over time but we're gonna get out of here next week next Thursday uh, draft guys it's draft finally day. finally coming wow hey, oh. we're JP Lossman days. <laughs> We will go live about a half hour before the, the uh, draft begins. Unfortunately, we won't be on the air, I don't think, uh, when Buffalo picks. But Unless we trade up big time, I highly doubt it. Yeah, doubtful. <laughs> We'd but, love uh, to have some we, breaking news, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, 
Okay, if they trade up that far to where it happens during our show, that means they're going to be in the top 10 or top 5 No, top 3, <laughs> and we can say goodbye to Stefan Diggs. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So. All right, but we'll have a uh, we'll each do our own mock draft. We'll share that and go over talk about that next week. Um, I have been putting together the offensive line for the greatest all-time Bills team. I voted on by the fans. We'll save that for the following week, though, because, like I said, with the draft day next Thursday, we're going to spend that show uh, talking about what's going on. Maybe there's some new updates and more trades. Maybe there's a D. Hopkins trade. Who knows? Maybe there won't be an Aaron Rodgers trade. Hopefully Maybe not. Maybe there won't be. <laughs> I don't think there will be. <laughs> but we'll see. It's not looking like it, is it? All right. No. We're going to bounce. We're going to get out of here, and we will see you all next week. And from the Mafia cast, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. Happy holidays.